0: Yesterday morning, in Doug Getch's introduction about first claims, we spoke about how writers often competed with or worked against various medias to hold relevance. But now, to borrow a word from poetry, let's turn and consider our long-held anxieties related to the pressure the external world puts on our experience as readers and writers alike. Evolution is as old as time, and stories and literature have taken many incarnations. The oral tradition of poems and fairy tales, the serial novels of Charles Dickens, the shift from hardcover to short to pop, to pocket paperbacks in 1845. The critics called them pulpy trash, and they said good literature is dead. Americans would never go for it. But then, of course, a hundred years later, seventy percent of all books sold were paperbacks. Writers, in particular, present anxieties related to holding on to literature. Presently that relate to the digital age. But of course, now they're self-publishing and blogging, Twitter, Amazon, and Kindle. And for the first time in 2011, ebooks um, ebook sales outsold print, print books on Amazon. So do we have a reason to be anxious? It seems that people are reading as much as ever before. I still read my daughter, the Oral Fairy Tales. Charles Dickens' fame has outlasted his lifespan, and readers can keep a library on their smartphones. It just might mean that we all have more access to good material. Digital technology has also offered literary consumers new and interesting ways to take in stories of text. Ned Stuckey-French is a pioneer of this mixed form, and, about how, and he will talk about how we might borrow and make hybrid by pairing our text with other visual arts. Indeed, how we might find ourselves in the midst of some creative revolution and we might ride this wave of our time. Ned Stucky French is the author of the American Essay in the American Century, which was a choice, outstanding academic book for 2012. He is the co-editor of The Essayist on the Essay, a co-author of Writing Fiction, A Guide to Narrative Craft, and a book review editor of For the Genre. His articles and essays have appeared in journals and magazines such as In These Times, The Missouri Review, The Iowa Review, and and Tri-Quarterly. He has been listed five times among the notable essays of the year in Best American Essays. He is presently an associate professor of English at Florida State University. Please join me in welcoming him now.
1: Thank you, Jim, and, and thank you for moving in that introduction, that wonderful introduction from what? Anxiety to desire. Uh, I hope to talk about some of the some of the anxiety and some of the opportunities. Um, that the digital age may present to you. Um, And talk about this particularly in reference to uh, the personal essay. Um, So I wanna try try to begin to answer, I guess, three questions today. First, I don't wanna assume too much, so I wanna talk about what is an essay. And when I'm doing this, I apologize in advance to my class because I'll be going through, will be a little, a little bit more for you them. Know. Uh, then I'm going to talk about, a little bit about what is an essay in the digital age. And then finally I want to focus especially on what is a film or video essay, what that might be. So first of all, what, what is an essay? Um, Yeah. my So first of all, Edward Holman says that an essay the, 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 form of the essay is a to It's, it's, it's a, an amorphous genre that's still had to be defined. It's the fourth genre. It's the last one into the writing program. Although it's the most popular, the most, and it's growing the fastest among those four tracks within MFA program for the last decade. But so it, it's it's, uh, it's a it's a bit of a mess. It's it's used to having an adjective in front of it, the word essay, right? So there's there are periodical essays, romantic essays, UTL essay, formal essays, informal essays, humor essays, personal essays, lyric essays, narrative essays, review essays, I could go on. And also it's sometimes hidden behind some other kind of disguise. This guy, such as it's something that's called a piece, a column, an op-ed, profile, feature story, casual, whatever. So it's a, it's a little bit hard to find. One thing I would argue that it is is not is a five-paragraph piece. Now that was probably where you first heard the word right back in junior high, right, where you were taught to write a piece, an essay that had an introduction. Three supporting paragraphs and a concluding paragraph. Right? You remember Miss Factory with the pencil in there. You know, tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell it to them, and then tell them what told. you told know, them. And that was the march, right? Well, that that is not what an essay is, and it, it, it's not what I'm talking about today, especially uh, 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 because it's reductive. Adolescents. Maybe they still use it in first year writing, but I'm talking about something much messier. I would put the essay, the personal essay, on a spectrum somewhere between the article and the short story. That the article, whether it be a newspaper article, an academic article, even a feature article, whatever, is over this end of the spectrum and it's it, it relies on memory, research, interviews, and kind if of it's an academic article, it's thinking got works cited page and footnotes. I mean, it's it's fact based. Its style is usually pretty flat, pretty transparent. Uh, then at the other end, we have the short story, which is made up. It, it comes from the imagination work. It comes from invention. It might even have hobbits in it, right? Or unicorns. whatever. Yeah. Science fiction. I mean, it can go all the way out there. Now, I would argue that the personal essay lies somewhere in between those two things, And that the, that, that, it, that, depending on the particular essay, it may slide a little bit up or down this, this spectrum. It may, Get pretty close to the short story sometimes, and beats pretty strictly narrative out there George Orwell's *A Hanging* or shooting an elephant. Pretty much just tells a story. It also does something else. I think it talks about imperialism or uh, capital punishment. But it's most—I mean, most of the time telling a story. Whereas it's something down toward this end may be much more meditative and scriptive and expository. Be you know, defining something. Montaigne writing on a friendship, where you're trying to get a handle on that concept. Um, again, an article, especially maybe a news article that we're familiar with, you know, it's got the inverted pyramid form, which is kind of a pissing cousin to that five paragraph thing. You know, it starts with the five W's and the one H who, what, when, where, why, and how. Gives you all that front loaded. Maybe gives you all that even in the headline. And then kind of marches down to the more specific stuff that can be easily edited by the editor. At the other end, again in the spectrum, the short story also has a pretty well-defined form. I mean, you know, there are there are people that mess with this wonderfully. Alice Monroe makes short stories that are like little novels, or some like that are like big novels. And but Traditionally, we think of the short story form is, is following the inverted check mark, right? A conflict is set, there's rising tension, finally there's a climax, the falling action, or the name or the coda, or the resolution. Here's another version of it, using Cinderella, right? The stepmother appears, stole Cinderella. So there's an invitation to the ball, Cinderella wants to go, you can't go, tension goes back and forth. Finally, the shoe fits and the climax is always releases the tension and without flavor. I mean another way to think of the inverted check mark of that form might be foreplay or gap a cigarette. <laughs> you know, that helps. You do, <laughs> the essay on the other hand. As Hoagland says, it's, it's the story of the mind. It's it's following a different path. It's again, it's much more digressive, It's it, it 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 may double back. It may wander off into a dead end as I'm trying to figure out. Okay, what is friendship, right? If you know kind of one definition of that, I'm looking for my definition now, right? Which may be different than my definition of it tomorrow. And that the essay is is presenting those his thoughts on the page so this is my this is the <laughs> graphic that was uh, uh, developed by Jim who teach you here this week so, we um, so what holds this the essay together what keeps it one form what allows us to follow it what what makes it what it is well Hogland argues Edward Hogland again argues that that um, One of the things that holds it together is the essayist's voice or style. And here's here's what he has to say about that. Essays don't usually boil down to a summary as articles do. And the style of the writer has a nap to it. A combination of personality and originality and energetic loose loose ends that stand up like a nap on a piece of wool and can't be brushed flat. Essays belong to the animal kingdom. With a surface that generates sparks, like a coat of fur, comp- compared to the flat conventional cotton of the magazine article writer who works in the vegetable kingdom instead. Mm-hmm. Who the hell comes up with these kind no, of analogies? I'm right? That it's the animal kingdom or the vegetable kingdom. I would argue that the nap in Holman's piece right there is his use of the word nap. Right? It's so odd. But it it, it gives us another way to think about that spectrum, right? The more literary end of it, the more individual voice and the short story end of it is animal kingdom, And the flatter t-shirt, machine-made, vegetable end of it is the article. And the essay is somewhere in between there. He's, he's, He's accessible, but has his own voice. Just as with a short story writer, you know, you can say, oh, okay. That, you hear you know, a few sentences. After used to play this game, the dinner party, scene, I the, the, the guests were asked to bring a hundred words, and then they'd read it without, you know, identifying who wrote it, and the other guests would try to ask. Like, well, nobody brought him away. Right? That's too easy. To right. Same thing I think with essays, essay. Right? I mean, you can you can it. Okay, that's, that's a big news thing. You know, you can smell them. Right? Another thing about the, what the essay is that it's, it's, it's generally first person. Right? And, and the first person is at least understood usually to be the essayist himself or herself. Right? You can't, uh, as an essayist, hide behind a, a narrator in the way that, for instance, on, uh, because Gerald hides behind the orgasmic, right? And therefore, can't, can't be held accountable. So, so the essay has developed a persona. Now, that persona has change. Right? I mean, my persona right now is a lecturer. And I don't go home and be husband and father. Right? Um, another term I think we to confront when we're looking at what essays are is, is the bigger umbrella term, which is creative nonfiction which is a, a, a term as my students know this week, I Yet it, it defines the genre negatively against fiction. And as a sort of a sock, it tosses the word creative to us, right? Um, I want to say, well, nonfiction, okay, that's what? Everything that isn't fiction? Phone books, insurance policy, tax forms, summer writing festival catalog. Yeah. Um, so it's defined negatively, which means it's everything. It's, it's just too big, and it's defined against fiction as a fiction with the real deal. My wife's a fiction writer, so you know we've had. And around this so they give us the word creative, right? Which I you know creative is opposed to what? Destructive? Destruction construction. Boring
2: object.
1: So I don't like the term, but it's it's in common parlance. You know. Now that creative and it also brings up the kind of the, the implicitly the question of truth. Isn't right? I mean, if this is nonfiction, this is supposed to be true. But I already put it on that spectrum as not an article, not verified, not researched exactly the same way, not footnoting, but operating more from memory that we know, let's be honest, folks, our memories are fallible. So we, we have to supplement our memories with imagination. Now, then the question becomes, how much? Why I you not this
3: much? <laughs> this is
1: Jay's If you go this far, and you make shit up, <laughs> and your night in jail becomes six months in jail, <laughs> and your DUI becomes, what, cocaine or something, right? And it wasn't. And Gawker or whoever finds you out, you will have to apologize over on national And you don't want to have to do that. Trust me, I have not been there, but I know better than to have to go there. Right? So, it's, so then the question becomes: well, how kind of creative? Well, again, I think it goes back and circles back to that question of persona. And um, Carl Klaus, who taught here at Iowa, founded the nonfiction program at Iowa who is was my mentor and then, you know, my friend and my collaborator now. I'm going to have lunch with him in about an hour. He says The person in a personal essay is a written construct, a fabricated thing, a character of sorts. The sound of its voice, a byproduct of carefully chosen words, its recollection of experience, its run of thought and feeling, much tighter than the mess of memories, thoughts, and feelings arising in on one's consciousness. So it reminds us that it's a verbal. I mean, with an essay, what we have is what's on the page. Or, as I will talk about in a minute, what we have on the screen. And so that's necessarily constructed. It's it's constructed out of both memory and imagination. The allegiance, however, it must be to what really happened. Because it is still non-fiction. No unicorns allowed. So, and this brings certain responsibilities. Joan Diddy, and this is Joan Diddy, Joan Diddy and Dan, and Joan Diddy and now, has a nice quote that I like to turn to when I'm trying to think about how to retrieve who I was, how to Returning memory to a moment from my past that I want to put into a personal essay. She says, I think we are all well advised to keep on in terms with the people we used to be, whether we find them attractive company or not. Otherwise, they turn out unannounced and surprise us, come hammering on the mind's door at 4 a.m. of a bad night and demand to know who deserved them, who betrayed them, who's going to make them. That's tough work to face after those folks. Who are after all of you. Right? But I think that's what the personal question requires. Here, here's another question from Scott Sanders about kind of the honesty that's required when you are constructing the persona. In an essay, you may be caught with your pants down, your ignorance and sentimentality showing, while you trot recklessly about on one of your hobby horses. You cannot stand back from the action as Joyce instructed us to do and carry your fingernails. You cannot calm off your cockamamie notions on some hapless character. If the words you put down are foolish, everyone knows who the fool so is. So, I mean, it's a rough genre. Right? It ain't sissies. You say no disco, you say no fool in This is,
0: but it's fun.
1: I love like, it. Um, so, so, that's the essay. So now, what about this digital age? At Ford State, where I teach, we have a history of text technologies program that I teach in. We also have editing, writing, and media tracks for our undergraduate English majors, in which they learn how to tagline for is it. writing for the 21st century. So they're trying to figure out how to write online. I teach a class in the digital age, in which my students Google Maps essays, Pinterest essays, create websites, video essays, so on and so forth. So, you know, it's new, this anxiety is new. Ten years ago, just ten years ago, there was no iPhone, no iPad, no Kindle, no Facebook, no Tumblr, no Twitter, no Pinterest, and no Snapchat. So this, stuff, this type of wave is anxiety. It certainly is. But usually more for us old clients. It's not so anxiety for our kids and our grandkids. I mean I've got a 17 year old daughter, and she was making video essays at slumber parties when she was in the fifth grade. They're fearless. It's just, it's this the air they breathe. a long way from the caveman, a long way from the caveman, here's where we are. So, Um, uh, okay.
0: ah.
1: <laughs> so now I want to try to talk about what I told you I was going to talk about today in the description of the it. Okay. I want to try to answer a few questions as a way to. The handle on the film essay. And I want to answer them largely by showing you images. But first, I'm going to frame the question and give you a few words about it. So, first of all, what is a film essay? This book a video essay. What is a film essay? In the 1992 essay called In Search of the Centaur, the essay film, Philip Lope offered a tentative definition of the essay film. Now, the definition he offered was very logocentric or word based. And the film critics left on it immediately. But here's what he are. Film essay should present the singular voice of its creator. It's the essay. It should have text, whether in the form of a script, intertitles, dialogue, epigraphs, voiceover. Those are lots of ways to, to offer the text. Yeah, and he argument it should attempt to understand the problem while at the same time differentiating itself from a
0: documentary
1: film by doing more than just imparting information. So she trying to dig into a problem, she be trying to solve the question of what is friendship, what is war, why we love, whatever it might be. Lowenthal also had to acknowledge in his piece that there weren't very many of these essay films. So one of the problems he tried to talk about in his essay, in his piece, the, the, the search of centaur, was why are there so few essay films? He attributed this scarcity to the production and distribution costs. Now, what I doubt my politics? It cost a lot of money. Like, Especially in nineteen nineteen, you still had to make it with a film print, you had it a ceremony. you had it at the editing room, you had to in time find distribution for it, and even if it was a bond art and the film, you still still had to get the film films to pick it up or something. The need for a team of cinematographers, editors, and sound the preference for a general audience for films that emphasize fiction. The, the, the preference of a general audience for fiction and narrative, other ways to Looking for Hollywood images—they're not looking for this kind of interior thought. And finally, he blamed what he called the intractable nature of the camera, which he said tends to capture more of its promiscuous images it, than the filmmaker anticipated or perhaps wanted. In other words, when you film something, you don't have the same control over it that you do on the page. Stuff into it. The audience's eyes wander. Nevertheless, Lopez, or Lopez said that there are several examples of the essay film, and he singled out Chris Marker as, quote, the one great essayist in the film. He and he singled out Marker's film Saint Soleil as his masterpiece. So, I'm going to show you like, an opening minute of Saint Soleil to give you just a little taste of what at least Philip was thinking of when he was writing this.
3: On a he said that the him it was the end and also that he had several times to do it. She told me about, the in in he said that for him it was the image of happiness, and also that he had tried several times to link it to other images, but it never worked. He wrote me one day after put it all alone at the beginning of May film with a long piece of black reading. If they don't see happiness in the future, all right. So
1: immediately in that first definition that of Flori offered, you could tell that he had documentaries on his mind. Right? But how is how is a, an essay film different from a documentary? Let's say it's not too dissimilar from that spectrum I was talking about. That the documentary is closer to being like an article or history; it's verifiable. Whereas the essay film is somewhere scooted down the spectrum from that, right? And he was responding in part to what to a movement that had been uh, developing with the advent of handheld cameras and audio equipment in the early 1960s. And it was a new doctrine, documentary movement, and it paved the way for some of the recent experiments in the film essay that he was responding to. Documentary filmmakers such as Robert Drew, Albert Males, uh, V.A. Pennebaker, who all worked together, they collaborated, they began taking the advantage of uh, smaller, more portable cameras and sound equipment to make documentaries in what became known as the direct cinema or cinema vérité style. These films relied on candid, behind-the-scenes footage and very little narration. They use the images to say what they wanted. One of the first of these films was Drew's 1960 documentary called Primary, in which Drew followed around president, presidential candidates John F. Kennedy and Hubert Humphrey during the Wisconsin and West Virginia primaries in 1960. When the film came out, immediately some film critics questioned Drew's use drew, of editing, believing that his semblant verite was not verite enough. In the following scene, for instance, in which Jack Kennedy speaks a line of Polish to a Polish American audience in Wisconsin, there was concern by these critics that the footage of her hands was shot at a different time and added later for dramatic effect. It was seen as, quote, realistic, but not necessarily real.
3: Don't
1: you, Mister? <laughs> now, after the his uh, association started doing this kind of film, the technology began to change really I mean, quickly. So this is this is uh, a picture of the kind of uh, sound equipment that he was using. I mean, it turn around his sh- you know shoulder uh, strap held kind of a camera to do the recording. It was reel to reel. Then it started to smaller. This is the camera truck, He's that Baker who was filming Dylan for *Don't Look Back*. Finally they got into something like this, and now we have this. Now, I mean, we carry these in our pocket, right? I got them. So that brings us to the question: What is a video essay? John Presley, I'm going to get 2010 essay. John was in the on *Pictures Go Down* during. Uh, I think there's why people just teach at Northwestern. Um, John, in his, in his 2010 essay called On the Origins of the Video Essay, updated Lopate's 1992 piece, pointing out that the digital revolution had occurred in the intervening years and that this revolution has solved some of the problems of production and distribution that were in Lopate. The advent of the iPhone, YouTube, and free and easy to editing software meant to be that millions of people can make video essays, and then even embark on new projects that might establish new genres. It was like, I mean, your your iBook, your iPad—they all—they they come with video essay uh, editing uh, software on the iPhone does too—and they. Uh, so this democratization kind of of the process solved the production and distribution problems that will take Victoria. I mean, you can make a video essay on your iPhone, and then you can. You know, post it on YouTube, and if it goes viral, you buy Hollywood television, unless you want to pick it up and me some money. Right? So I'm going to show you a clip from part of John Dreslin's video essay called "Mangos," which I think we'll have time to see the whole thing too. But I mean, first, I want to share this clip. Um, and he wrote about this piece. He said, "My own loss." Obstruction in Mango, self-imposed, was to acquire video, record sound, and compose a score using only a cell phone. In the end, I cheated, but just a bit. For the most part, Mangoes is authored on a cell phone. So here's a here's a snippet of a, of a cell phone in the U.S. And now i a little louder, almost, almost
3: to make the beyond. The fact that I haven't wanted them, I suspect be far away among certain bodily screw ups. Like the time I let him play with a broken lamp and filmed it because the lighting was so good. Or the time I fed mangoes, even though my wife is allergic. Even though in advance she told me, John, don't feed the baby mango. I'm allergic and he might be too. But allergies aren't hereditary, so I slipped in the mango. And then I remembered Nancy Lincoln. Remembered how anything, no matter how innocuous, anything, milk, will kill you if it's your time. So I got online, and in about nine seconds, I got allergies, are hereditary. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> I fed my son these jaded mangoes because. Why? <laughs> no
1: spoilers. <laughs> so then as I, as I was talking about earlier, that one of the problems for the SAS distance is how to present oneself. Right? So in a video essay, then where's the video essay? All right. is he or she off behind the camera? Well, I'm not necessarily open. Video offers other ways to the essays to present herself. In Crystal Radke's That Kind of Daughter, which was made in 2012, she uses drawings and cutouts to show how desire, memory, and loss can be represented both through audio and through images. Then, she herself makes a silent, silent appearance that lets us behind the curtain and surprises us with its color and its three-dimensionality. So here, how is the essayist? Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, excuse on. We'll come back. Um, first is the question who is the essayist? I'm sorry, not where is uh, the essayist. The film and video essay disrupt our conception of what an essay is, but they also retain important connections to the print essayist tradition. One of these traditions is the voice, persona, or self of the essays. Just as Montaigne wrote, I have no more made my book than it has made me, or Emerson said, I will also essay to be. In other words, we, we create the persona and then become the persona. Right? Um, so did the film and video essayists construct a self in their voiceovers, their point of view shots, and their insertion of themselves in the frames of their essays. Here's a quote from Ross McAleese, 1986, Masterpiece Sherman's March, a meditation on the possibility of a romantic level in the South during the era of nuclear weapons proliferation. and proliferation. We in which he employs all three of those techniques, point of view shots, voiceovers, and concern yourself. Now I apologize. i here to I found a wonderful of a girl who's like the angel on the top of the Christmas tree. She's absolutely perfect and beautiful. She's
2: not woman in back.
3: I decided to leave Charleston before I even war trouble with Shrine's ideas of marriage brokerage. I went to the local countryside, tracking down the remaining elements of Shrine's presence, the shrines to the destruction he caused, Shrine Church. Torched by Sherman's ruthless scavengers in November 1864. The caskets in the church burial crypts, superheated, exploded in fire. It seems I'm filming my life in order to have a life film like some primitive organism that somehow nourishes itself by devouring itself, growing as it diminishes. I ponder the possibility that Charlie is right when she says that the has become the only way that I can relate to women. I'm beginning to lose touch with where I really am in all of this. It's a little like looking into a mirror and trying to see what you look like when you're not really looking at your own reflection. Anyway, besides the any following, showing through, through South Carolina. How are we just trying to drive. Six faces will join, bodies will be loved. Everyone I love can fail to nothing will die, and yes, nothing is saved does not show that the novelty touching A little
1: meta note there where she appears. Another way in which the video essay and film essays related to uh, documentary is that it may make use of stock founder or archival footage. Um, here's a clip from the Zidane, a 2010 video essay by John Lucas and Claudia Rankin, in which they slow down footage in the manner of an instant replay, a sports instant replay. The whole video focuses on a single moment in the 2006 World Cup final when the great French uh, soccer player, uh, I don't know if the name, uh, Lee Soccer uh, Okay, I can't it. Zinedine Zidane fed up with the constant racist attacks that have been heaped on him by one of the Italian players, finally chooses to headbutt the Italian. As a consequence, Zidane was ejected from the game, which would be his last game before retiring, at the end of a, a great career. Lucas and Rankin do not narrate with their own words, although Rankin is the narrative voice. She's she saying the words. But in the manner of a mashup, up he used the words of others Talking about race. Richard Wright, James Baldwin, Homie Baba, Frederick Douglass, Maurice show So here's another way to make a video just as imagination supplements memory in an essay. We might try to imagine an example I used with my class earlier this week was in, if I'm writing an essay about that day that my parents first told me they were going to get enforced, and I want to create the scene, even though that's, that scene took place 50 years ago when I was you know, in sixth grade. I need to make it visual. I don't remember what my father was wearing that day. But I need to imagine what he might have heard that day. But I want to do it as honestly as possible. Likewise, do with do a video essay or a film essay, you may want to use reenacted scenes. You see these on Dateline in <laughs> these but they, but, but there are ways to do it, I think, that are honest. Um, there are many really different ways to signal this technique. Sarah Poley's 2012 film Stories We Tell, the trailer for it signals that she'll be using Remagnus. She suggests that all of her home movies may not be home movies, all the home movies in the and at least that we might pay attention to the way that the voiceover narration frames the home movies. So here's the trailer for this wonderful movie. When you're in the middle
3: of a story, it isn't a story at all, but only a confusion. The dark, the boring, the blindness is only afterwards that become like it becomes anything like a story when you're telling it to yourself or to someone else. Can, I, can you just go back to that one one? Oh, the speech is so real. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's a one-hour film. I can't recommend it too
1: much. Is it called Longbow? Is that Part of it? Pardon? No, it's called uh, Stories We Tell Ourselves. I think Stories We Tell. Yeah, it's Stories We Tell by Sarah Pauly. P-O-L-L-E-Y. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Um, Well, we can talk about animation and special effects and some other things, but I'd like to show at least one video essay in its entirety uh, so that we will have something in why don't we look at, why don't we look at all of mango um, Again, this is the John the Pressley the essay, the essay, and uh, I think if we look at it, we'll still have time for a few questions. But I
3: think it's a good example of what did John. We were on vacation when my wife asked pretty Much out of nowhere, why I hated the baby yawn. It is in prison for a couple of days. I said, So, yeah, I hate the baby yawn. Something over her eyes and caught her eye, and she said, Well, have you ever put it on? And I had to say, No, no, I have not.
2: You're so gay. I can see the that's all but the guy with the just unnatural to me. I don't know. Nothing.
3: A reminder of all the crap my wife and I have accumulated since the baby arrived. <laughs> the bouncy chair that we did by the old college buddy and the bouncy chair and my sister got off the internet and the bouncy chair I'm on from a poet. And another from the next door neighbor who never spoke to us until our son was born and then she got us this the bouncy chair of the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> You when know, all this injection molded the plastic took over the house, we can recognize this sick game of the parents play, a uh, sort of housing ritual, in which they queep to us their sorry-smoking plastic key ship, and watch the other ridder's outside. But we can't get rid of it. You we know, have the plastic. You know, you know. Before my son was born, I thought babies were salvation, in the future. The full hearted love for a child, I thought, is a kid's permanent role for humanity. Of course, that's not true. Because I don't care how many life feel like stuff with dirty diapers and old bouncing chairs. If the baby loves it, I love it.
2: This looks, this, this looks, it looks, just know But I understand. Uh,
3: Child that Abraham Lincoln himself didn't have when he was a boy. But <laughs> one of the things Abraham Lincoln didn't have, turns out, was a mother. So now we have three
2: strollers.
3: <laughs> <laughs> one for growing in the crowd, and another we keep in the car. That was, well, you just never know. Nancy Lincoln never knew. She died when Abraham was just a little boy. That milk came from a cow that ingested a poisonous root. Little Abraham helped build the casting his mother was buried in. Without a parent, really, without a mother or a father, he managed to live a life of some distinction. In my darker moments, I sometimes wonder if the best thing I could do for this child is disappear. <laughs> um, Thank <laughs> you. Anything. Milk will kill you if it's your time. So we got online and in about nine seconds, I got allergies, moderate, or Kennedy. I felt like some of these jingling mangoes because why? Because I can tell you more about the 1985 Harleyville Rider than I can about parenting. And I've never driven an Harley. Let me go one further. I'm pretty sure I know why I fed my son Lanko. I didn't want him to become one of those feet little bubble boys, allergic to everything, allergic to the world. No, I want a boy impervious to the environment, so I'm him. But nobody's impervious to you. Idiot fathers. <laughs> <laughs> I know that someday my son will look at me and see an idiot, which is what my landlord see when other
2: men strap on the PMR.
3: Remember what you I said something like, yes, you in the front. But gay means just about everything nowadays. I think what my label really means is this the Bjorn mocks the man the way strap on sex toys mock the woman. That is to say, tenderly. But not without a touch (laughs) of heartbreak.
1: (laughs) All right, so I I, admire that piece very much. I think it's a a wonderful essay about parenthood, gender, mortality, uh, power, (laughs) history, lots of things. And it uses both the voiceover, the narration, the... You know, documentary kind of footage with the black and white photographs, reenacting scenes. I mean I wonder how many times how much footage John had to shoot with that. And then you know, I don't think i served sort of the mango on the butcher
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> And how much footage did you have to shoot in order to finally get his son to claw like that?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But, but it feels- so, questions about this forum? Uh, what's up with the, the video essay? It
2: has incredible potential.
1: I think it does, I think it does. I think, you know, we're, we're gonna see a, a lot of them. And, and not just the video essay, but uh, digitization allows other forms, as well I going go into the Google Maps essays, and Pinterest essays, and all on. Yeah. So what do we do, just like, <coughs> When you do to make one? Well, I would start by watching some.
0: No, You're no, a, no. Say you have something really important coming up, an historical
1: ceremony. Uh huh. Just behind your blouse or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I really? <laughs> no, Sometimes no. you gotta get permission. Just use the iPhone. Yeah, just film it and then yeah. edit it and then. Come up with a voiceover, and then add a script, and then edit some more, and then spend a six month making it, and then finally do the videos. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, it was actually uh, you that I'd seen put this
3: post up at one point, but there was like an Instagram essay that uh, a girl had done where she had taken pictures of her life, but it wasn't happening in real time, and then she was putting up pictures, and then the story to go along with it, and it was curated. Was what
1: your thoughts were on yeah. that and kind of where you would put that in terms of. Beyond. Yeah, I mean, that's a form that's just being developed, Just Jeff Charlotte, too, has done really uh, some interesting things with that. But, I mean, to me, that's pretty much an illustrated essay. Okay. I, I mean, I've seen the pictures usually, and the ones I've seen so far, right, and I, the, the one you're mentioning and the other that I know about, uh, the, the, they're illustrating. I mean, they're in the service of the text less than in this piece, for instance, where I think it's created. That they're, they're, there's much more back and forth. That the process is more dialectical here. You know, the images are more foregrounded; they're more important. There's the text illustrated in the way that I don't know, you know, the way that the lithographer used to illustrate *Huckleberry something. But I think it's still fascinating, you know. That's fascinating possibilities. You can embed video in it too. So it, it, it'll get funkier and more interesting, I'm sure.
3: What do you do about music? Uh, do, you, do you use original music? Can you use your favorite stuff if it's not too long? Do you have to get
1: permission or just say, this is. Well, okay, I've got two questions. How of kind of, the, the larger question, I guess, about the, the first question you're going to say is what, what about a soundtrack? What about audio? And you know what I mean. My wife, when I'm looking at these things and fiddling with them and trying to put together something like this, she'll be the other part of She says, "Are you messing with video essays again?" Because she can tell by the voice—it's right? sort of this poetry reading voice, you know, that that that, that John is falling into there. So there's that kind of question that, you know, Because when when Patrick, the landlord, comes in, we hear a very different voice—not so modulated here. And then, um, yeah, as far as music, some people have used composed music and worked together with composers, for some of them, uh, some, you know, uh, appropriate. The second question that you're saying is, what about commissioners? And um, that's totally up for grabs right now. It's a big wilderness out there. I mean, you know, I mean, we all... Go on to look for YouTube videos and see that they were pulled. Cool. You know? So it's, if, if, if you try to use too much found footage from uh, uh, a, a Disney film or something incorporated into your video essay, or you use too much of a you Neil know, Diamond pick or something, you know, you're liable. It, 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 yeah, it's the it amount. And my wife is a novelist, and her novel Mermaids on the Moon, she was using it. It's about the mermaid down in Florida in the in, in the sixties and they were doing these these mermaid underwater shows and she wanted to use lyrics from some of the songs that they used as the background because they're they, of course they're silent. They're they're underwater being looked at through an amphitheater, from an amphitheater through a big glass window. So they had a soundtrack was a big deal. She wanted to give and as soon as the Random House lawyers got a hold of the manuscript, they said 16 words. 16. 16. That's the limit that you can use from the lyrics from popular music. Pop, the big, you know, Columbia song, or whatever. They're, they're, you know, if they're messing with their stuff, then it's different. But most of what people are doing is doing it, putting it on YouTube, and seeing what happens. Which I don't want to encourage you to be an outlaw, but be an outlaw. The other thing that I've seen on YouTube is a um, disclaimer.
0: Yeah. Is this is from, thank you very much, I didn't get permission, but it's short.
1: And yeah. There's a wonderful video essay called A Fairly, Fairy or A fairy Tale. And it's about, it's, it's composed entirely of clips from Disney movies and cartoons in order to talk about the issue of copyright. All of the clips, none of the clips are longer than maybe three, four, five seconds. But they're spliced together to tell a kind of a seamless story, and it's totally a parody of Disney, it's totally going after Disney, because Disney was the, the, the main corporate giant that was behind the, the latest, the semi-bono copyright revision act, which because they were worried that Mickey was going to, the copyright was going to run out on Mickey. And, and then, then once it's in public domain, then anybody can do anything with Mickey. And mm-hmm. heaven forbid. So, copyright got extended. Good, so, yeah, that's what, yeah, it Yeah. So, uh, copyright's a big issue. Mm-hmm. What's Other, the name of that video with the dominant. Uh A fair, and then in mm-hmm. the parenthesis, L-Y, fairly tail any other questions? No. Okay, thank you for coming